Welcome to the Next Level Soul podcast, where we ask the big questions about life. Why are we here? Is this all there is? What is my soul's mission? We attempt to answer those questions and more by bringing you raw and inspiring conversations with some of the most fascinating and thought-provoking guests on the planet today. I am your host, Alex Ferrari. I've always wanted to help the audience take their soul to the next level, so I've partnered with Mind Valley and other amazing free courses on spirituality, mind, body, soul, longevity, wealth, and so much more. All you need to do is go to nextlevelsoul.com forward slash free. Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of the show, its host, or any of the companies they represent. Now, have you ever wanted to learn how to channel yourself? Do you think you have the ability to channel? Well, today on the show, we have channeler Daniel Scranton. And Daniel not only is a channel himself, but he teaches others how to channel. And in this conversation, we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of channeling, the rawness that I've never heard any other conversation have about channeling is in this conversation. So if you want to learn about channeling and you want to know more about channelers, the history of channeling, and much, much more, including profound knowledge at the end through his own channeling, sit back, relax, and let's dive in. I'd like to welcome to the show, Daniel Scranton. How are you doing, Daniel? Hi, Alex. Great to be here. I'm doing great. Thanks. Thank you so much for coming on the show, my friend. I know we've been trying to do this for a while now, but we finally... We finally got together. Our schedules aligned, and uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to talking to you, my friend, because I really haven't had anybody on the show who is not only a channeler but also teaches channeling and and shows people how they could possibly connect uh, their own uh, or open up their own channeling abilities as well. So we, before we get into all of that, what was yes. your life like prior <laughs> to this insanity that is channeling? <laughs> Well, I, uh, I like you, was trying to make it the film industry, and I moved to L.A. in 1997. Um, I was an atheist at the time. I grew up Catholic. I abandoned all that when I went to BU, Boston University, and learned that everybody's got these stories in their books. Like, even, you know, non-religious, they're the, all the same stories. And I thought, well, wait a second, what makes mine so special? That And it's just like... So I went from being, I was really into my Catholicism it, to the point where it's like kind of the biggest trauma of my life growing up Catholic, you know, mm-hmm. and, and being afraid of God. And so then I, and then I didn't believe in God. And then I actually listened to a Tony Robbins interview with Deepak Chopra mm-hmm. because my boss at the time said, everybody's got to listen to personal power too. And when I got to the Deepak Chopra one, I was like, hey, I like this guy because I was into raw foods. I still am. So I'm raw vegan. And um, I believe in the body's ability to heal itself. And so that's what Deepak's into now. You know, mm-hmm. um, he, he started out as a doctor and then beca- and then was like, well, I'm, I'm just a glorified drug pusher. So anyway, I resonated with the guy and basically through science kind of proved to me that there's something more than... This, you know, Freudian, Darwinian 
view of the world, you know, which is what I was into at the time as an atheist. I wasn't I wasn't a proud atheist. I wasn't like Ricky Gervais going around trying to tell everybody how great atheism is. You know, I was like scared still. So now I'm scared. I'm just going to die and go in the ground. And I start getting into Deepak stuff and I'm like, oh, oh, so there must be something more if that's the way things are behaving on the quantum level. And, you know, Mm -hmm. he just had all this kind of like anecdotal evidence of there being more. And I found conversations with God. I would do I would do something if like three people told me to do it three different people. And I I remember after the third person told me, you should read conversations with God. I did. And that was my introduction to channeling. So I was so into channeling. I was into him and then Seth, who I I think you've started to find, who's Mm -hmm. my favorite, all-time favorite. Isn't isn't Seth one, I mean, other than Edgar Cayce, one of the original, the OGs of the channeling space? 1963, she started. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, other than Edgar Cayce, there's, you know, there was not a lot of people doing it, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, and and the, the the amount of material that she produced over those 20 years of books, and it's amazing. And it's just, so that was blowing me away. And then somebody convinced me to get into Abraham on a message board. And I was like, okay, I'll check out, I'll check out this Abraham. And then I could actually go, because I always wanted, I was like, what would it have been like to be in that apartment in Elmira with Rob and Jane and Seth? And then I got to go to see Abraham. So I'm going to see Abraham like all the time. My first one was in Sedona and I got called on and I got to ask questions. And it was like, it was kind of like Abraham was telling my future because I asked them a question. They're like, well, you're really good at like at communicating this type of information. And and you're going to have several well-received books. And I there's a couple of my books right there. And um and I was like, I didn't, I had no idea I would ever channel. I, I had no desire to channel. I wanted my now ex-wife to be the channeler because I liked being the Jerry Hicks. I liked asking all the questions. Right. But then 2010 comes along and everything changes in 2010. So I'm doing Reiki on someone and I feel energy for the first time. I'm like, whoa, this is, this is new. Um, and I want to talk to you later about, about energy and channeling because it's all about the energy. And then I, once I had that experience, I just want to do Reiki on everybody. So I'm like, I'm doing Reiki on people and my, my arm starts going like this. I'm like, what's that? Why is my arm doing that? <laughs> then my, my head starts going like this, like Stevie Wonder and Ray Charles. I'm like, okay, now this is happening. But then the lips start moving. And I'm like, oh my God, channeling. So that was in January of 2010, the first time I ever thought, is this going to happen? And then March comes along and I'm at, even though I have this outwardly looking good life, you know, I'm going to all these Abraham workshops and on the cruises and I have my own business. I used to go to Am- uh, um, Amoeba Music in Hollywood and buy up stuff and resell it on Amazon. I probably flipped through it and, and saw like your DVD in there at some point, <laughs> you know, like the, all the bins they have. And, um, I'd resell it on eBay and Amazon. So I was making enough money to go to all these Abraham things. And me and my wife, you know, if you you saw us in public, you'd think great couple, but our marriage was not doing well at all. And on on top of all that, I had this painful hernia next to my belly button that I was too scared to ever get checked out by anyone. So 
I was in pain. I was I had to move all these boxes for my business around to do my shipping days, which were terrible, terrible, long, long days. And then I was in so much pain one day that I just collapsed and I was in tears and I was like, I don't want to be here anymore. Like, how do I, how do I end this? How do I get off of this earth? And there's no way I was ever going to do it. But the, not that night, but the night after I woke up from this dream and I turned to a guy that I knew through Abraham in the dream. And I go, I understand now about the other beings. And that was it. That was the whole dream. We were like standing in desert. And then all this energy starts pouring in through the crown of my head while I'm laying in bed. And it's so, it's so much ecstasy. It's so much like what near-death experiencers talk about where it's like, I cannot tell you how good this felt because that's how good it felt. There's no words. My back is like arched because I'm, I'm in so much ecstasy. I'm barely on the bed anymore. And I'm just begging it for more. I'm like, more, please, more, please one more time, one more time. And then I was wondering like, what does this have to do with that dream? Like, who are the other beings? And as soon as I started thinking about that, I start getting more energy in. And then I'm asking them questions and they had to be yes, no questions because all this is happening in my head. And if the answer was yes, I'd get another surge of energy through my body. And then I thought, well, maybe, maybe you're in the room with me right now. Maybe I can see that all this is happening with my eyes closed. I open my eyes to look around in the room and it starts flooding in again, like just that, just the same as intensity as at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So again, I'm just like, oh my God, I don't know how long it lasted for it. Eventually had to end. Unfortunately, everything has to end. Right. And so then I was just, I'm, you, you put me to shame with your three to four hours of meditation a day or (laughs) two to three or whatever it is. That's a lot, but I was meditating an hour a day at least for 10 years so, so then that happens and then I go, okay, I want to feel that again. So now instead of just meditating, I'm meditating to feel the, the energy again, to feel it coming in. And what I could get myself to is I eventually got to the point where I could give myself full body goosebumps. And I'll just show you how easy that is for me mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take long. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. I'm trying to feel it all the way down to my ankles. It's definitely all over my arms, but it's, um, it's (laughs) it's like it, it, you can feel it. It's not just like your arms or the, cause you have the arm ears, by the way, Bashar has said, that's your antennae. When they're standing up like that, now your antennae are at full attention when your hair stand up like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I could get to that point. And, and when I was meditating, I could get to this point where I'd get so deep into it, I'd be dry heaving. Mm. Like, I'm, like I'm throwing up and nothing's coming out. So that's the second time I thought, something want to come up and out of me, like, like words, like channeling. And I'd try with a friend, a friend would sit there and watch me dry heave and I, nothing coming out so then october rolls around and i'm at an abraham workshop in Asheville, north carolina those are the smaller ones that she does and i and my arm raises by itself because i because i had had the dry heaving thing again and i'm like what's going on i sat in the hotel room with my friends i was like you guys ask questions maybe that'll maybe i just need somebody to ask the questions but it's i just was like this (laughs) 
And that's all they got <laughs> was me doing my Jim Carrey impersonation. And then, and then the next day, like I said, I'm, I'm at the workshop. It's a two dayer. So the second half, my arm raises by itself. By the time it gets up to here, the full body goosebumps, she calls on me. Of course, Abraham calls on me and I get up there and I'm like, what's going on with me? <laughs> what is this? And they said, you're going to do this thing that Esther does, but you're going to have to work through your resistance to it. And I was like, okay, I didn't even know I had resistance to it, but you know, past lives, whatever could have been drawn and quartered for it. I don't know. Um, so I had, um, my marriage had ended in the, in the span of 2010 as well. I met someone on an Abraham cruise who lived in London and she and I were Skyping all the time anyway. And I was like, okay, Abraham said, I can do this. Let's practice together. I'll sit here. So all I had to do is like want it to come in and it'd come in. And again, I'm doing all this facial movements and upper body movements and stuff, but nothing's coming out. I'm getting really frustrated now. And eventually I started making phonetic sounds. I started going and then I I one time I kind of forced it. And I started speaking and then she was asking questions. And afterwards I go, I think, I think that was me. She goes, yeah, I think that was you. So then we, we kept at it. And eventually the group that I came to call the creators came through me and said, we are here for you. And I was like, oh, that wasn't me. So then I, that was the birth of the channeling. And then I was like, I followed again. I was, I was into Daryl and Bashar so much. I followed their teaching. If you want to do this thing, you've got to take whatever steps you can take action-wise to do it. You don't wait for the universe to send you an invitation. So I told all my friends, look, because all my friends were Abrahamers, basically. And I was like, you guys want me to channel for you? Just call me up anytime. I'll do it. And then I was like, I'll do workshops. I'll make them free by donation only. And I'd drive, I'd have to drive like hours to do these workshops because all these people lived in San Diego County. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's what I was doing for a long time until I started re really getting more confident in it and putting it out there more. And now I've got this YouTube channel with over 5 million views lifetime, you know. Oh, nice. So. <laughs> so, uh, so you were really courting this experience it wasn't like something that was just kind of thrown upon you you were really looking for it you were trying without knowing it without even realizing that i right. wanted it because i didn't think i was the type of person who could channel i think i was the type of person who could ask questions and somebody else could do the channeling you think that it, yeah it could have been you're saying past lives it could have been something else that was stopping you from you're like, I want to be around it, but I don't want to be the person. I want to be around well, it. Well, back in 2010, believe it or not, because I know you know, like everybody's channeling now. But mm -hmm. back then, oh, I no. didn't know that many people who mm -hmm. who were channeling. I didn't know who to call upon to be a mentor or to help teach me how to do it once it started. And I wanted that so badly. And then in, and then in uh, late uh, 2011, I did find a couple of women who were also in Southern California, Nora Harold and Wendy Kennedy, and they helped me develop it. And they, they gave me more confidence. They became my friends and, and it was great. It was just so great to have somebody there to be like, it's okay. You know, everybody has these doubts. Everybody sounds like somebody else at first, 
like you don't have your own voice necessarily at first. And I'm sure it's the same in filmmaking. It's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. that's just that's just he's just doing like people say Tarantino. Yeah, he's just ripping off old samurai films or he's, you know, whatever, you know, and and you get your own voice eventually. And and it it takes time. It really takes time to develop it and to be confident in it and seamless with it. But it it's one of these things. And the analogy I always use for people is you pick up a violin the first time you can do something, you can put your fingers on things and you can use the bow and, and you can make a sound. But the thousandth time you pick up the violin, you're going to be a lot better. So if you don't keep picking up the violin, you can't expect to get better. Well, that's a really good point because a lot of times when, I mean, I've talked to now 30, 40 channels at this point and everybody's very different. Uh, the way they bring it, how they come in, how they come out, all this kind of stuff. But, you know, some of the more seasoned people like Daryl or Paul Selig or or Sheila from, that does Theo, they are, when they speak, they don't stutter. They don't, um, yeah. they don't pause. It's just a stream of consciousness. Uh, but then some of the other guests I've had do pause a second, do mm -hmm. think a second. Sometimes they'll do an um, they'll do a this or that. Um from your experience being kind of like a channel a channel aficionado, what's happening between these two, these two kind of channels? Yes, um, I, and I'm so glad we're having this conversation because I don't want people to think that if someone's umming and awing, it means they're not channeling, and if they're pausing, it means they're trying to come up with a good answer, because <laughs> that's not what it is. Right. It's that if now, I took Spanish for seven and a half years, and um, but I've never lived in a country, a Spanish-speaking country, and I could, you know, I can think of words. It takes me a minute to be like, okay, grandmother, abuela, you know, like I have to do the, the trans, the, what's it called? Translation? Translation. <laughs> <laughs> I have to do it in my head. I'm getting like that now um, uh -huh. with words and stuff. Um, but when it's energy, so everyone who's channeling first channels energy, they don't, no one is a sock and the, and the channel entities, the hand, and they're going, that's not how it is because it's a, it's a collaboration. It's a blending, it's a merging. And there's something inside of us that, and I think one of your other guests who's a channeler said this too, it's like, don't really know how you're doing it. There's no secret decoder ring and there's no, you know, there's no, there's a mechanism. It's an internal mechanism. And I think, you know, the conversations with God books, they talk a lot about remembering. God says it's, you're remembering this. You're not learning it. You're remembering it. There's something inside of us that knows how to channel and that has to remember how to do it. And it's, it's not, that's something that just, like I said, with time, you'll develop that or remember that. But for some, it's easier than others. Some like Mozart, you know, Mozart could play the piano at a very young age and do it really well and write things, I think at age six. But that has to do with, you know, his journey and everything. And everybody's journey is supposed to be different too. So some people are supposed to try to channel for five years and not be able to do it and then are able to do it. Cause I've had students like that. 
I've had students who eventually have that breakthrough moment where they can do it, you know. Um, but as far as I, I was telling you before, my ex-wife um, said to me, you know, you do the uh and the um thing when you're channeling. And I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> and then I, let, I went and this is this is about four years into me being a channeler. I went back and I listened and I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I do. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. So uh, you don't even realize you're doing it while you're channeling. But then after you've been doing it for as long as like Sheila's been doing it and Paul's been doing it and Lee Carroll, it's gone because you've picked up the violin 10,000 times for those people. You know what I mean? And, um, And now I'm over 12 years into it. So it's a bit more seamless for me. But another thing I, I always want to, I always point this out too to people is with the pausing, if you read the Seth books, her husband, Rob, would put in there, Jane paused at 9.15. It was a long pause at 10.20, you know. So even to me, the best channeler who's ever lived had these pauses. And I think what's happening is, And Esther Hicks says, it's blocks of thought. She says, I'm receiving a block of thought. Downloads, like downloads, like big chunks of downloads. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then so you, as a channeler, have to like make sense. That's why the channeler is always a part of it. Because like I said, it's not, you're not a ventriloquist dummy. You have a, a brain. You have a vocabulary. You have words that you, you're more likely to use. Now, my... I transcribe myself all my channeling so I can tell like, okay, I don't really speak like that when it's me. And when they are speaking through me, it's different. So I I notice it, but I'm not using a lot of words I don't use in my normal conversation, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, let me, let me say, because this is something that I, I, you know, and I'm glad we're having this conversation because it's a conversation that doesn't, it it doesn't happen very often, these conversations, because there is a lot of doubt in the chat and people looking at channels. Because you know, let's call it what it is. It's freaky. It's queer. It's weird. It's awkward. It's outside of the, outside the box from somebody outside looking in. And when I first started seeing it, as you know the story, I knew Daryl Anka, who's Bashar, for five years before I even knew he was a channel. And then then one <laughs> he's day, very low key. You know, yeah, he doesn't like walk in the room like he's I am a channel. <laughs> like he doesn't do that. So then once I started working with him on, on the Bashar project, which was a documentary oh. about Bashar. Yeah. And I was working with him as a, as a collaborator on it. I said, what's this channeling thing? And he's like, Oh, it's just something I do. And I, he was my first introduction. Can you imagine Daryl being my first introduction yeah, to channel? And I, and I ask, and I just, and I asked all these questions about how, because I just knew him as a normal person. Not, right. not not anyone, you know, he's a filmmaker. He's just doing his thing and living his life. But this other side of him, I was like, well, what's going on? And I got into the details with him. And knowing him, you know, knowing Paul, knowing Sheila uh, and, and many of the other um, uh, channels that I have, I always tell people, like, do you think it's real? Are <laughs> they just, are, it's, do you think it's just BS? Are they just acting? And I go, listen, <laughs> two things. One. I come from Hollywood. I've directed Oscar-winning actors. I've been around really, really competent performers and actors and stand-ups and improvers, some of the best in the world. 
what these people are doing is unprecedented if they are faking it. <laughs> because it's one thing to have a monologue in your head and sp- and even doing that not to br- like the ums and the oohs okay fine but when you yeah. when you're at the level of Paul or Daryl or sh- that they don't break yeah. at all. It's I'm like I go t- give Meryl Streep those lines yeah. and tell her to talk for an hour and a half like that. And 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 yeah, it, and 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 then every by the way, everything but, that comes out is profound as all yeah. hell. But then I throw in the extra mix of like I'm asking questions that they don't know they're going to get, right? And they're tough questions. They're not easy questions I ask, and they're answering it without a beat. I'm like, so that's the the whole. I don't believe in it. But secondly, what are they saying? Is it profound to you? Mm-hmm. Is it helping you? Is it resonating with you? If it is, take it. If not. Dismiss it and move on. By the way, I fell in love with Paul Selig during your two. I, I love that man. I, I hope I meet him someday and I get to hug him. Um, Paul, no, Paul <laughs> we is- have mutual. We have mutual friends on Maui, so it, I, I could make it happen pretty quickly. Um, but because I, I live on Maui and so does he now. Because um, both somebody has to do it. So thank you for taking the bullet for the rest of us. Yes, I know. <laughs> what a terrible life I've created. You know, how awful would that be, though, to to have to fake it? like Every, I, All the time. Oh, my God. Your hair would fall out or something from the stress. Yeah. And the. I think, like, um, what because we were talking about this earlier, too, about how many channelers there are out there now. I think they all mean well. I think everybody... And I'm the type of person, you know, who thought OJ was innocent, you know, like I, I want everybody to be innocent, you know, like. <laughs> well, kicking it, kicking it, but you're dating yourself, sir. <laughs> I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm old. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I've never seen somebody and gone, oh, they're faking it. But I have seen people and gone, they're highly influenced by what they read on the Internet. This channeling is not it because everyone has a filter. And I don't know if you've ever spoken to any channelers about the filter, but there's a filter that we all have that we don't have any, you can't just say, I don't want a filter, get rid of my filter because you're still human. And you still could let something come through and you might say, I don't want to let that come through. You know what I mean? Because, well, and the other thing too, here's the other thing. There's trans channelers, there's deep trans channelers, which I was going to ask you conscious channelers. And my friend, Nora Harold, she'll talk to you as Nora and then she'll go, ah, this is a Pleiadians. And you're like, and, and she'll talk to you as a play and it's that quick. And then she'll go back to talk to you as Nora. And so some people are like that. They're that conscious with it. And so there's everything in between. The terrible thing about being a conscious channeler is if you're a perfectionist like I am, that and you've always been hard on yourself like I have been, then you're listening to it and sometimes you're going, this isn't very good. You know, because you, you're still there. You're still aware of what's happening. So I wish to God I was a blackout trans channeler and I didn't have to, you know. Like Daryl like Daryl or like Daryl yeah, and yeah. Uh, Jessica Herman. Yeah. Um, who's wonderful, wonderful channeler. Everybody watch all these old episodes, by the way. They're all amazing. <laughs> um <laughs> I appreciate uh, that. Yeah, yeah. But here's the thing I want to say about channeling that is so important because what you're saying is right, what you're saying is true, but there's more. And the more is there's an energy 
There's an energy that to some is palpable. To others, they'll be like, well, they didn't tell me whether I should buy dinar or whether I should buy this currency, or they didn't tell me like when the financial collapse is going to happen. So I'm skeptical because if you're up here the whole time and you're not sensitive and open, which you have to be to channel, like you have to be a sensitive, empathic, open, emotional being. But if you're just in your head and you're in your head thinking about the channeling too, then you're missing the main course, which is the energy that's being transmitted is incredible. It gives people their own downloads. People tell me later on, well, you know, when the Arcturian said this during our session, I'm like, I know they didn't say that, but that's what they got because they were having their own experience over there because, you know, if you're receiving channeling, if you're really receiving it, you have to open up. And I think that's what the Arcturians do through me to get everybody to be ready to receive what it is that they're giving by doing these crazy tones and sounds at the beginning is that they're, they're attempting to get the listener to do more than just listen with their mind and their ears. Well, yeah, you're, yeah. I was going to say that your channeling is by far the strangest intro. Uh, just, right. There's no question, my friend. I mean, I mean, you're, when I saw you the first time, I was like, "This guy's like, what's going on?" Because you're like the the arms are flailing, you're making sounds. It's it's intense. It's an intense situation. And I was like, "What is going on?" So that's why I really wanted to have a deeper conversation yeah. about your process, right. why is it happening? So people that watch it are prepared for exactly. this, This because if you're not ready for it, they're like, this guy is, you, you would have been, you you been burned on, at the stake. You might, you might want to turn him down. <laughs> you would have been burned at the stake. There's no, there's no I mean, question yeah. you would have been burned at the stake uh, yeah. because it just seems almost otherworldly. So is that, is that energy coming in? It's like the movements it's of energy. the hands, it's all that? I, I've never, I had a friend who, by the way, he was also a filmmaker. Um, he told me, and he's a yoga teacher too. He told me, this is called a mudra. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what a mudra is, but I do this. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And, and I looked up the mudras and there's no mudra like this. There's one like this, but this one it feels like the thumb and the finger are pushing against each other. So the way that I've made sense of it is the energy must be coming up and circling back down. Mm-hmm. And then in this hand, the other hand, I wonder if I can do it. The fingers are flapping around right. like a fairy. And uh, I channel a fairy and I, at first I thought, oh, Ophelia's here too. That's what that is. But it's been going on for years now with the flapping. And I actually saw a guy once, a video of a guy, and his fingers were just doing it like that much, you know. But they're also rubbing against each other while they're doing it. It's not just, they're not like not touching, there's friction. So I don't know. But I do know that like I could stop it. I know if I have an itch, I can itch. But I basically am like, as soon as I'm open, I'm channeling. I'm not doing it to channel or to make it happen in some way but it's part of it. 
it's part of the the transmission as we channelers call it there's a transmission that's going on that if you're open to it can affect you in ways that are that go beyond what the answers to the questions will be and the other thing i always find fascinating with people who talk to me uh, because by the way i ever since i started this show i get asked so many questions people like you know call me up or they'll text friends from hollywood or other people or just people who just find out what i do they just gonna they just are fascinated and and they're very curious about everything and they go well do you think they're just faking it to sell books and i go do you know how much money people make selling books Not are much. you kidding like do you think <laughs> do you think if there's there's a lot easier ways to scam people to get rich oh, than yeah. channeling you know it's just like this is this is a it's a it's a full time thing, and I want people listening to understand like oh they they just want to try to sell a course or oh they want like man there's such easier things you can yeah. do in the world than putting yourself out there like this because you're you're basically exposing yourself into the world now publicly in a way <laughs> that like when Daryl and Sheila they did it like very quietly kind of word of mouth yeah. maybe a book or something like that would come out every once in a while. but now it's like. You've got a website, you got a YouTube channel, you're out there. So you're basically putting yourself out there vulnerable for the arrows and the and the rocks to be thrown. Like there's such easier ways to make money in the world. So yeah. I, it, it, that's another reason I, I, I point that out here because I want people to understand that channelers, that if they put themselves out this way, I mean, I don't know how many channelers you know that have Lear Jets. Uh, <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like it doesn't it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. There's a lot easier ways. No. Now there's some there's some mega churches guys who have right. jets. I'm just throwing right. that out there. I'm not saying who, True. but you see what I mean. Yeah. There there are other ways to do it. So I just wanted to kind of put that out there and kind of so people listening could understand that it doesn't make sense at least from my point of view. And I'm assuming yours as well. Yeah. And, and honestly, there are sometimes that I go like, I wish I was just a life coach or something, you know, like oh, it's so much easier. So much, yeah. Like, you know, yeah, you could have easily turned into a life coach yeah. and still done all of this quietly. I behind was the really scenes. good at coaching people too, because I was so into all this stuff. Like I, I threw myself into spirituality in the early, like, I think I woke up in the year 2000. So it's mm -hmm. been 23 years and and i just followed everybody read everything and like yeah i could i could really have been a, a life coach instead and that would have been easier for sure yeah than this. <laughs> a lot a lot, <laughs> a lot easier path you know and people you know and they're like yeah absolutely so there's a, there's it's a choice what you're doing and i, I want people you have to say yes to it yeah it's a choice that you're saying yes to and i've spoken to, again yeah. to many channelers who's like I kept it quiet for years. Yeah. I would just do it for my friends because it's it's a big coming out of the closet, spiritual closet, if you're channeling closet to do this. So I really, I really appreciate you being so uh honest and forth what you know raw about this conversation because it's something that doesn't get talked about very often. Everyone always talks about the woo-woo stuff, but there is a practical human being behind the channeling and what they have to deal with and what they have to go through. And I think that gives a little bit more um gravitas to what they're saying and doing as a channel when you understand arguably some of the sacrifices that they're making to do it mm -hmm. yeah it's um and on the other hand if i didn't do it 
God only knows what my life would be like because I need the energy. It, it, I've heard you ask the question before, does it wear you out? It gives me energy. The reason I meditated all those years was because I, I probably would have been diagnosed with, with chronic fatigue or something. That's how tired I was all the time. So to be able to do this thing where I become this, this conduit of energy, it gives me so much energy. It, it, I do, because I'm conscious while I'm doing it, I do get to hear all the answers which help me in my day-to-day life because even though I've been spiritually awake for so long and channeling for so long, I still have my challenges and my issues that I'm facing. And what they say through me is for me as much as it is for everybody else. And that's why I channel almost every day, put out a new channeling. I want to know what they're saying too. I want to know, I want that that reminder, because a lot of it's reminders for people too. It's like people will say to me, oh, I knew all of that already, right, but right. still I'm glad we did it and I'm glad I, and I did get something out of it. But um, but yeah, some a lot of people... I know you, you've studied a lot of spiritual texts yourself. I've heard you speak quite eloquently about spirituality. And you know that like it all comes down to a few simple truths. You know, there's only a few really basic truths. And when people talk about being awake, I really think that knowing those truths is what being awake is. I don't think being awake means you believe that... Um, you have the right theory about what chemtrails are, you know, but some people use it that way. Some people say, Oh yeah, I'm awake, man. I don't, you know, I, I got aluminum foil inside all the drywall, you know? So, (laughs) I mean, why wouldn't we, I, why wouldn't we, because if not, the earth will tilt over because we're flat. So, (laughs) so sorry, all flat earthers listening. I apologize. Um, they're still out there. (laughs) Oh, I, you kidding me? They 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 knock the on my is, door constantly. <laughs> the thing that I think about when it comes to flat Earth is this: like, can it both be true? Because can can we have multiple realities? I think so, and I also think sure. Why the not? only thing that's really true, besides that we're all source and we're all love, like those are some sure. of those universal truths. But your experience is true. So that's why you can't really call anyone crazy because you know they're experiencing life in the way that they're telling you it is. That's their experience. And if you walk on the earth and you say, feels flat to me, then you can come up with this theory. You and, know? And, and the thing, and I understand what you're saying too, but it is, it's also based on, the experience is based on how you were raised, your life experiences, yeah the traumas in your life, all of those things that make you the personality will make you think one way or the other. So yeah. some people will look at pictures of the earth and go, well, it's pretty, it's, it looks round. All the planets are round. It's all makes mm-hmm. sense scientifically. Okay. Uh, and others will go, no, there's an ice wall and you can walk to the end. And you know what? If you believe that, God bless you. I right. wish you the best. I wish you the best. Um, but generally speaking, but it is all perspective and you're absolutely right. It is the perspective. We walk through life through the through the uh, through the lens the of lens, our experiences yeah. you know and i, I was, yeah. was talking to a channel the other day about this and she's like if you the the entity that was coming through her said if you walk down the street and you see in the middle of new york city somewhere and you walk down the street and there's lights and noises flashing and buildings everywhere and people walking 
uh, that's the experience, right? Well, if you're an architect, you're walking down the street, you're looking at the buildings, how they're built. If you're a real estate agent, you're walking down, you're like, oh, I want to sell that. Uh, if you're an electrician, you're like, oh, why is that light out? Oh, it's because of the, ele the electricity breaker must have been broken. You look at the, yeah. the same scene is looked at by by everybody completely yeah. different based on their experience. So I, I completely agree with you 100%. I wanted and to ask you. Okay, go ahead. No, real quick, I wanted to ask you about the channels because this is something uh, I really am curious about. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. What, how many different kind of channeling is there? I know there's trans channeling mm. and Edgar Casey was the sleeping prophet. Um, there's people that come in and out. Some people just look up like Susan Geisman and just goes, Oh, I'm here. And she can mm -hmm. do trans channeling. How many different ones are there? And can you talk about them a little bit? I don't know, really. Um, all I can say is I think, I think everything is channeling because like what you said before, about what kind of beliefs you're going to have, like based on your experience, based on your what some people call programming. Mm -hmm. So you're born and you're pretty much like this. Just tell like like my daughter, I have a three year old, something else we have in common. Yes. Um, I have a three year old and and like she if I do something, it's funny. She'll do it, too. She'll want to do it, too. Like she'll she's being programmed. Imitate. She's being programmed. Yeah. 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 Sure. So, and I speak light language to her and she'll speak it back. And we have so much fun with that. And, um, yeah, so we absorb, you know, we go around absorbing what we're being told. We, we have a version of the truth that we're given and a version of history and all this stuff and our brains. And this is, I'm, I'm borrowing this from Bashar. Our brains are receivers. They're like radios. And so your, your brain then given what you're vibrating. So vibration is like tuning the station. It's the frequency, like uh, FM stands for frequency, something like modulation or something. Yeah, something like that, yeah. So there's frequency of a vibration. So meaning Hertz and all that. I'm not a science guy, you can probably tell. But you're, you're vibrating. And so then your brain receives what's a match to what you're vibrating. That's what you're getting. That's what you're channeling. So the, the big truth about channeling is all that I'm doing and Sheila and Paul and everybody else is doing is we're saying, okay, be that, as, since that is the case, I'm gonna change where my dial is set so that I'm getting something that's coming from a higher source than the news, my teachers, my parents, my friends, everybody else who's ever given me their perspective on reality and what I should believe and what I, the ways that I should think. So then you, and you know, maybe you've talked to certain people about dimensions too, and the difference between the dimensions. So because we now are fourth dimensional, we only perceive a certain spectrum of energy, you know, people, everybody knows that you, dogs can hear things we can't hear and you can only see a certain amount and stuff like that. But it's true with, with everything. It's not just the five senses. So you've got to raise your frequency to be able to get what's coming from a higher dimensional plane. And those higher dimensional planes are all around us too and inside of us. It's not like they're places. 
it's like, you know, our, our superhero movies, our Marvel movies and stuff, they're kind of getting into this stuff of like the, the alternate reality is right there, you know, and often they'll use the multiverse. Like a portal. Yeah. yeah. You've got to have a portal or something, got to have something visual, but it really is right here, right now in a different vibration so that I only perceive the walls and the lights and the stuff in the room here, but there's a lot more present. It's just vibrating at a frequency whereas where I don't perceive it. So as a channeler, you're saying, I'm gonna raise my vibration. So anyone who wants to channel, just go raise your vibration, do the thing that puts you into your happiest place. And when I teach people, I often say, go out in nature, like get away from it all and go sit under a tree. And that's where your your channeling is more likely to happen because in your house, you got all the thought forms. You got all the energies that have been present in your house and you got to get away from it all in order to sometimes be able, and the, and the trees and the rocks and the wild animals, they're all there like, rooting for us you know they all want us to like kind of come come where the water is warm you know and and enjoy this thing that was gifted to you this earth and you can tap in so much jesus went to the desert right when he did his thing 40 days or something he yogis go yogis desert. go to the himalayas got yeah. they go in caves yeah they're not they're not doing it in the middle of times square mm -hmm. on the soapbox Exactly. And if they are on Times Square, beware. Beware of that person <laughs> that who is Elmo. in Times Square, the Elmo and the, the Spider-Man in uh, Times Square. You got to be careful of them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, so if somebody's wanting to uh, become a channel, what are the first steps that you would recommend and how they could possibly, if they're even, if they're, I think I agree with you. I think we're all able to do it. It all just depends on how much we're able to let go and open ourselves up and things. What are some steps that people, if they're truly interested in walking down this path, they can you do to get there? Well, honestly, uh, my, I can tell you from my own experience that like just being around channeled material, you're not just, you're not just receiving those words and those teachings. You're, you're being introduced to a vibration. So if you, if you listen to and read channeling, it can give you those attunements that you need for your body to be able, because I think the body too, another part of it is our bodies have to be able to handle the energies. And I think one of the things that was happening to me in that, that experience I had in March of 2010 was that my body had to be readied for the energies that were coming that I was going to be channeling. Right. I've heard so, that. Yeah. yeah. So it's, uh, you, you know, any, like I said before, you could write a list. You could say, I'm going to have a list of the 10 things or even five that I could do in a day to raise my vibration. Maybe it's like just go for a walk, meditate, sing, dance, take a bath. You know, all these things are going to help you open up more and, and be intentional too. You know, you can meditate like I was meditating to get energy so I could go and live like a normally functioning human being. But you can meditate with that intention. Like I'm meditating with the intention now of opening myself up to higher frequency energy and beings who would want to come through and, you know, speak through me. And it's good to be, 
to be clear about it too, because that's the other thing. That's the fear that people have with channeling. They think, well, if I open up, how do I know it's not going to be some lower vibrational entity? Mm-hmm. You know, um, the truth is you're never safer than when you're channeling, because if you're doing it right, you're raising your vibration. And guess what? They can't jump up and get you from their lower vibrational plane. They're going to stay down here where people who are using Ouija boards are. <laughs> right. You know, people who don't take any of the steps to raise their vibration are more vulnerable than the people who are like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to speak mantras, think mantras. I'm going to ohm. I'm, you know, toning is obviously you could have, you you should probably have somebody on sometime who can talk about the power of sound like Jonathan Goldman or somebody like that, who these, these sound healers and new age musicians, they understand it much better than I do. I just channel it. You know, I just like, when I let, when I first received overtones and, and created overtones, my, the, the beings were just moving my lips and tongue and mouth around to create those sounds. And, and an overtone is a, is a higher tone with a bass tone at the same time. So you're hearing two sounds at the same time. So anyway, there's a lot you can do and it might be different for different people in terms of like what gets you, you know, some people like running and some people like biking and some people like walking. So whatever it is that you is your way of getting yourself in that higher vibrational state. And another thing I just want to, I just want to say one more thing. I know I'm talking a lot, sure, but sure. this thing here is somebody pointed this out to me. This will synchronize your left and right hemispheres of your brain, making it one brain because we have this thing called the corpus callosum in between the right and left hemispheres that kind of get you in, you know, you're either in left brain mode, you're in right brain mode and you want to integrate and that does that naturally. And that's what binaural beats are meant to do as well. The, that's another sound thing. Binaural beats, they're meant because it's called hem, hemi-sync. The, the Monroe yeah. Institute call it, calls it hemi-sync, hemispheres syncing. So you, you want one brain, one unified brain to be that receiver of what you're getting. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. So is that kind of like why, and, and for everyone listening and not watching, he was shaking his head back and forth like Stevie Wonder mm-hmm. right now, or, or Ray Charles. Is that why they did it? Is that why they did it with the music? They were they probably, that? I mean, the greats are, are all the greats not channeling. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you absolutely. know, Abraham has said the song that, you know, so-and-so is writing is, is being written by the people who will receive it. And they, uh, the, the songwriter is just the, the one who lets it through. And then, oh. and then they bring it through and then they go to the, you know, my wife just went to go see Ed Sheeran and there's 60,000 people in that stadium. You know, they're all there receiving what he brought through for them, basically. And, you know, Michael Jordan, he, he made a free throw with his eyes closed. I mean, the guy was... He was otherworldly in terms of what he was able to do with his body. Sure. And and there's a there's an element of that. Anyone who's ever played sports or danced gets that or mm-hmm. has acted. If you've ever done, if you've ever performed in any way, you know at some point, like 
you're just like letting it happen. Well, you're in the flow. You're in the flow. Yeah, right. Exactly. As soon as you start thinking, like if, if music is playing and I'm going like this and then I notice I'm dancing, I'm like, oh, now I'm self-conscious. Now I'm thinking like, what was I doing? Was I doing this? You know, I'm a much better dancer than that, by the way. That was terrible. (laughs) No, it's, it's very, it's very (laughs) true. And I've had the opportunity to speak to some big rock stars and movie stars Uh and writers. And I asked the same question. I'm like, do you, is it, are you channeling? I use that term, not in the way that we're talking about it, but in the way that the word channeling has become very mainstream, the word channel, like you're channeling Michael Jordan for that shot. You're Michael, you're channeling, you know, uh, you know, the Beatles for that song that you wrote. Like there is that kind of thing, but you know, I've spoken to some of the biggest rock stars and movie stars in the world and directors and writers. And they all say, Oh, I'm, it's coming from somewhere else. Like it's, I'm just, I just show up. I let them know I'm going to be there and it comes through. And even directors who are on set, who, you know, the, the stories of Spielberg and Scorsese uh, and Tarantino, that they're just like in a flow. They just, they can, mm-hmm. they can see a scene and fix a problem like that instantly. Boom, boom, boom. And not even think it's not even a thought process. It's just, it's like, it's like, you know, your orchestra, like an orchestra, like a, a orchestra a conductor. <clears throat> and just moving things and people around them like how do they figure that out and yeah, how do they no do trying this? there's no trying involved it's like yoda said you know and and the thing that another analogy i use with channeling it's like if you're trying to channel and you're not getting anything it's sort of like when you're trying to find your keys <laughs> and you can't find your keys and you can't find your keys and then you give up and you sit down and you're like oh, i get the remote oh there are my keys because <laughs> um, they were under that pillow that was on the couch that you had to give up to sit down on. And with channeling, as soon as you give, as soon as you stop trying, because it's more of an opening up to allow this thing to happen right. that we still, those of us who channel still don't totally understand the mechanics of it. We just know that like there are times when we're more on than, than not. So sure. it's a, it's a collaboration too. Like I've done an event, an in-person event where Daryl channeled and other channelers channeled, and it was the biggest in-person one that I've ever been at. So sitting up on a stage with all those people in the audience is a way different experience as a channeler than having someone that you're channeling for over the phone who's in Iowa and you're in Maui or wherever you are. You know, it's just different. And and if a person's a skeptic, if a person's sitting there going like this while you're channeling and they're like, you know, and they're just reading questions and they're not, it's different experience. It's a co-creation, you know, and, and that's the thing too. Like, um, you know, everybody is, nobody's perfect. So don't expect just because it's channeled, it's, it's some sort of perfection right? because everybody has good days and bad days. And like I said, conditions that make it easier for them to channel, and other times when they're feeling more self-conscious or they're, you know, they're worried that this person is going to um, start yelling because they don't like what they're getting um, as an answer, you know, that the person's like really angry to begin with, angry when sure, they came sure. in to speak to you. And it's like, well, we're sensitive beings too you know? <laughs> and and like i said i was a, a big drinker back in the day and i've had many blackouts and i really wish it was like that 
really wish I could just be. And you'd be like, I'm gone. And I'm like, and I'm back. And I'm back. (laughs) Well, since we've been talking about channeling for almost an hour now, uh, I think it's time to show people what you can do, sir, as a channel and and ask uh, ask the, the beings that come through you a handful of uh, deep questions to see what they come up with. So I'm waiting. I'm waiting now for the show, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody, you you might want to turn your volume down if it's it's already pretty high. opportunity to chat thank you so much for doing so yes indeed my first question to you is how do collectives like yourself um who want to channel in this world pick the channels or the vessels that they're going to use sometimes there is 
a pre-existing arrangement. Sometimes you do have a part of that being who's in the physical, who is also in the collective they are channeling. Other times there are agreements that are made in the astral plane while the human is asleep that did not exist prior to the incarnation, but because that person made certain choices in their life and took themselves down a particular path, they became excellent candidates to be channelers. And there are a host of beings and collectives out there who want to have their voices heard. They want to also contribute to the great transformation that is happening there on earth. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. We all have an agenda when we help you. We want to see you succeed. We want to elevate the consciousness of humanity. And we also know that as you grow and expand, as you evolve and ascend, so do we. We get to reach the next level of our consciousness by helping all that we help. And so it is not an answer where there's only one way that this can happen, but there are several and you're seeing it. You're seeing all of the different people coming forth and channeling because there are so many ways for those agreements to be forged. Is that why there's so many more channels now than they were 40 years ago or 50 years ago? It is. It's because of the asking. So there's more of an asking on earth at this time for something new, for a transformation. There's so many who have become upset with their religion or religious leaders. There are some who feel lost and are calling out in the middle of the night for something, for some sort of help or some sort of sign. And then when they relax enough, when they open up enough to receive an answer, they get that answer. And sometimes that answer comes in the form of a little voice in their head. And other times that answer comes because they were listening to a song or watching a movie or they glanced over at a billboard. There's so many different ways people can get those answers, but certainly channeling is one of them. Now, can a soul live multiple lives at the same time? All souls do, because all time really is simultaneous and every soul is very curious. Every soul really does want to grow. And even though you as a human don't even want to stub your toe, never mind have a car accident or lose a loved one, the soul wants as many experiences as the soul can get. And so when you get into alignment with your soul, you start living your purpose more. You start to find that there is a path and that the path that feels the best is the path that you're meant to be on. And so then you're sort of living the truth of the life. 
that you set out to live before you incarnate, because there has to be that forgetting when you incarnate, when you are born, if you knew everything, then you wouldn't be able to have all the emotions that you have. You wouldn't be able to first think that this is all there is, and this is your one lifetime that you get to live in, so you better make it count. You wouldn't be able to have all of those thoughts and feelings and beliefs if you knew everything that you know on that soul level. So really, every individual who is living a life right now ought to be thinking in terms of aligning with their soul, aligning with that intention of the soul, because the soul definitely wants to have particular experiences through you. And by the way, before people start thinking that they're now mad at their souls, you are your soul. There's no separation in reality between who and what you are and your soul. So that's why you hear people saying in the new age, you have to accept, you have to go with the flow, you have to surrender. It is because you're really giving in to you. You're giving into your own agenda for coming forth and living a life. It's only when you're fighting it, when you're trying to swim upstream, when you're saying, no, I'm supposed to be a famous actor in this lifetime, and I'm going to keep struggling and trying until I make that happen somehow, instead of settling in to what it is that you can do and what comes easy to you and how you can be of greatest service to others, how you can find love in your heart and compassion through whatever it is you can do. And that can be something as simple as being a cashier. It doesn't have to be that you write a book that millions of people read or you open a new age healing center. Why do we suffer? Why are there, why is this experience filled with quote-unquote bad experiences, bad people, evil people, evil situations, bad situations. Why do we suffer in this life? Because as we said earlier, every soul really does want to have a multitude of experiences. So every soul wants to play the villain and also wants to play the saint. And the soul is doing it simultaneously. The soul doesn't have to experience the villain having their huge transformation to become the saint because the soul gets to experience both at the same time. Now, as to the question about suffering, suffering is a ch choice. And when people realize that suffering is a choice, that they're choosing to resist, they're choosing to push against something or someone, and they're not allowing, they're not in the flow, they're not in that place of acceptance, then yes, there is suffering. Now there's loss, and some of that loss, it would be hard to fathom a person not going through some suffering due to a loss of a loved one, especially if that person then thinks it was their fault somehow. So there's all kinds of experiences that as a human being, you cannot imagine why this experience would even exist. Why should that experience exist? It makes no sense. It has only bad associated with it. But on that soul level, you see that 
if you did lose someone that you loved and you did blame yourself for it, well, then you get to experience the movement from blaming yourself to accepting it, forgiving yourself, actually helping other people who are doing the same thing to themselves. And you as a soul get to have all of those experiences if you take the growth, if you say, there must be something in this for me. And for me has to go beyond the ego sometimes. It has to go beyond getting what you want and go into how do I grow from this? How is this serving me? How is the raising of my consciousness possible through this? And it is through forgiveness, compassion, unconditional love, all the things that come when you first have an unwanted or so-called negative experience that is there to get you to examine something. You may need to be looking at your life differently. If you break your leg, you might need to slow down. And so you broke your leg and now you have to slow everything down. Now you have to receive help from other people. These might be things that you don't want to do from that ego mind level. How do we overcome the fear that we walk around with in our lives? You first of all feel it. You recognize that as a soul, you don't just want to feel happy and love and peace all the time. As a soul, you want the full spectrum. You want to taste all the flavors so that you can become the best chef. And that means that you have to allow these certain emotions to be what they are. You don't have to transmute fear. You don't have to transform fear. Fear is what it is. Think of it as a ball of energy. And it's a ball of energy that you intersect with at a certain point where now you're experiencing that aspect of source. So you have a choice in that moment. You can fear the fear. You can get angry because you were told that you're supposed to be brave at all times because you're a man in society and men shouldn't be afraid ever. You can judge yourself, you can judge the fear, or you can embrace it. So that's something else you hear a lot in the new age. You hear people talking about embracing this and embracing that. You embrace the fear, you actually get curious about what it feels like. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And you allow it to be what it is. And guess what? Then the little ball of energy moves right through you. It doesn't stick around. It doesn't stick around in children very often when a child is sad or a child is afraid they can easily process that emotion more quickly because they don't have ideas about the emotion itself they haven't set up a bunch of beliefs and thoughts about emotions and the way they should be feeling in that situation so they're just allowing it to pass right through them and then before you know it they're off playing again so one thing you can always do with fear is you can tune into where you feel it in your body. It's most likely to be felt in one or more chakra. 
And then you can breathe into that chakra, breathe into that fear with that intention of, all right, fear, now is your moment. This is your day in the sun where you get to shine. And I'm going to feel you as completely as anyone has ever felt fear. And then your time with the fear will be over. The fear can move on. You'll have a clearing. You'll feel more clear. You'll be in that state where you can actually choose then what you want to feel after the fear. So again, part of this journey for all of you is movement. Moving from fear to love is a journey and you get to take that journey once the fear is felt. You get to gradually climb your way back up to what is your truth, what is your essence, which is love. Do we all have a destiny or a purpose when we incarnate? Yes, you do. Everything is purposeful. Everything is about wanting to have a particular type of experience and every soul knows what they're getting into when they enter into a life. They even look at it. They're able to watch it like a silent film before taking the body on that will give them that experience. Now, that doesn't mean that every moment of your life is preordained and scripted because you have free will and you get to make decisions at various decision points in that life. And that's what none of us knows for sure you're going to do. We don't know. We can't tell you the one future because everyone gets to decide whether they choose love or fear, whether they go left or right, whether they choose film school or to become a corporate lawyer. It really depends on whether they're following their guidance, they're following their feelings, their intuition. And this is something else you hear a lot about in the new age, but it's like that for a reason. It's because it's important to follow one's bliss and to listen to that little nudge that you're getting from within because it's either your guides or your higher self or your soul. It's some aspect of you or a team that's really looking out for you, that's trying to get you to move in a direction that's going to be part of that purpose. It's going to help you fulfill that mission that you had before you started out. And a mission doesn't mean that it's something you do for 40 years or 50 years. It can be something very simple. It can be, I want to go forth and I want to have three children and I want to raise those children and I want to have grandchildren. It's different for every soul because everything that you can imagine is. And so, as we said before, souls like variety and souls crave experience. So, of course, there's going to be people who are interested in bugs, even mm. though most people aren't interested in bugs. But some people really want to study those insects. What happens to a soul once it's done with an incarnate, when it's done with a life? There is a moment of feeling free. There is a moment when a soul realizes that they have died. And sometimes it takes longer 
for some than others. Some are more prepared for it. You've probably heard the stories of people in India who say, I'm dying Thursday at four o'clock. You can come <laughs> if you want to. And so, of course, their transition into that next realm, that next dimension is going to be a lot easier than someone who has a sudden car accident and doesn't really know what to expect when they do die. So people tend to get what they expect after they die. And if they don't expect anything, if they don't know, or if they believe that that's when everything ends, is the end of the life, then they're going to be in for a bit of a surprise. They're going to have experiences that at first also don't make sense. They also will think, this can't be real. I must be imagining this. But eventually they come around to know I have died. This is it. And then that being, which is really just an aspect of the whole soul, because the whole soul, of course, knows that this is the time mm -hmm. to release from that body. But it's an aspect of the soul that then goes on and meets with ancestors and people they knew during the life that passed on before them. And they meet with guides and they go and they have this big family reunion where they talk about what just happened and how it could have gone differently and they could have made different choices and that sort of thing. And what do you think about what's happening in the world today? It's perfect. The world is perfect as it is because, as we said, you need to have certain experiences to get you to grow. So what you're seeing in the world is you're seeing that everyone has something they're focused on. For some people, they're concerned about the environment. For other people, they're concerned about the economy. For other people, they're concerned that there's too much religion being crammed down people's throats. And other people think, well, the problem is there's not enough religion being crammed down people's throats. So everyone has a different concern, something that they think is the problem with the world. And it's not the problem with the world. It's their challenge. It's the thing that they wanted to work on the thing they wanted to master. And so even getting to that place where you can accept things as they are as a human being, you've now taken something that you once saw as a problem with the world and you've realized, oh, that was there to get me to release my resistance to it so I could feel that relief so then I could see that there is a better future for all of us, for all of humanity, there is a better future. And this condition right now, this experience we're all having collectively is getting us to choose that better future, to choose a reality where everyone is treated fairly, where everyone has enough, where everyone can coexist in peace, where everyone's living in harmony with earth and with animals. And those sorts of things are what people are now deciding they want because of the state of the earth as it is today. And do you, have, do you have any final messages for our audience? Everyone has a heart. Everyone is capable of love. Everyone is capable of loving something or someone. Everyone is capable of finding the love within themselves that exists always as that spark of divinity. Spend some time every day 
Tune into your heart. Ask yourself, honestly, what is it that I love? What is it that I love to do? What is it I'm feeling called to do when I tune in to this organ that's right there beating at all times, trying to get my attention? When I drop down from my head and into my heart, what's causing my heart to sing? What is it that I'm here to do that I can feel the calling because I know when I'm doing it, I feel more love, I feel more expansion, I feel more peace, I feel timeless. Tune into that more so than your head and you'll make your shift in consciousness right now because that's what the shift in consciousness that people are talking about is really all about. And everyone has a chance to do it in every moment of every day. Take the opportunity you've given yourselves and you will change your lives and you will change your world dramatically. Thank you so much for this this uh, conversation, my friend. I really, You're truly appreciate it. Yes, we are the Arcturian Council and we have enjoyed connecting with you. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. <laughs> How are you doing, I know, brother? I don't know why I was nervous for this in this interview because, like, I mean, you've done I don't it a have couple to times. do anything. I don't have to do anything. <laughs> I'm assuming you've done this a few times in your life. You shouldn't be nervous. <laughs> I love it. it. It's the best. It, it really is the just the. I, I, you know, I know I chose it, but I still feel lucky. Yeah, I still feel like I get to do this, you know, sure, like man. people, yeah. you know, they come to me and they tell me how much it means to them. And I don't always let it sink in either. You it's, know, I, I, I know those feeling. people who are like deflecting all the time, like all the praise. And, but man, am I, I'm just, I'm, I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm so happy I get to do it. Daniel, this has been such a an eye-opening and wonderfully raw conversation about the art of channeling and what... Yeah. what you guys do and it's not a conversation that happens often so i i do truly appreciate you uh sharing your knowledge and your experience with everybody uh and now i'm going to ask you those few questions that i'm sure you know oh yeah i ask yeah. all my guests <laughs> i do know what is your definition of living a fulfilled life well i i want to be present i want to be present with whatever i'm doing and whomever I'm with and you know I work a lot and then I spend time with my child and my wife and I just want to be there completely with them and be able to relax and enjoy the moment that I'm in that's I think and I, I was gonna say this is my answer this is for me but now I think that really is something that's good for everyone I do think it's it's really we've got to be present. We've got to let go of the the mental, the tendency to focus on past and future all the time. What is your definition of God? Uh, I think that the best way to define God is how we could experience God, which is through love. I don't I don't think that we could really put words to what God is. We could talk about God for a couple hours too. But we get to, as humans, connect by feeling God as love in ourselves. And I think that if you do that, if you set out to do that, 
then you know God. Then you can you can say, yeah, I know God. I've, I love that flower over there. And what is the ultimate purpose of life? To live it, to have experiences, to grow from those experiences, to make choices, and uh, to create. To You know you're a creative guy. I mean, that's how we get to be God, is through our creations. We get to take... They were talking about like tasting all the different foods so you can be a better chef. Like that's what we're doing essentially is we're having all these experiences so we can put different ones together and create something new. And I think that if you have any sort of creative outlet, then it's great because it's it's the purpose. And where can people find out more about you and the work that you're doing? I have a website. It's my name, danielscranton.com. I'm on YouTube and I've got thousands of videos on YouTube that I post to. I post new ones um, usually five days a week. And um, those are the two main places. I'm on Instagram and Facebook too, if people want to find me there. And And do you have any final messages for our audience? Well, we talked a lot about channeling here today, and I want people to know that I was 38 when I started channeling. Lee Carroll was 43 when he started channeling. Your recent guest, Yvonne, I think 47 or 46 when she started channeling. It does, You don't have to be seeing ghosts when you're six and then be like, <laughs> yeah, I always knew. I always knew. You don't have to be that person. I've heard that person be interviewed too, and it's great that that God wants to have that experience too, but, but it's, it's not meant for the few. It's meant for the willing and those who are open. And if you really want to experience something different than like everyday life, it's available to you no matter where you are in your journey right now. Daniel, man, I appreciate you. And thank you so much for this uh, lovely, lovely conversation. I hope it helps some people around the world, my friend. I appreciate you. My pleasure, Alex. Namaste. I want to thank Daniel so much for coming on the show and sharing his knowledge with all of us. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash 237. And if you've only been listening to this over podcasts and you want to watch these amazing conversations, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, trust the journey. It is here to teach you. I'll talk to you soon.